Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Manny Fishman, and I'm joined today by Lotus Fung and Jonathan August. We are all real estate lawyers at Buckhalter, and we're here to talk to you today about how to close real estate transactions in COVID-19 situations. All of us on our real estate team here at Buckhalter have been involved in closing purchase and sale transactions. And we've learned some lessons about some of the difficulties in closing transactions during this period that we wanted to share with you on this podcast. I think the biggest issue that we've learned is to pay attention to logistics, how to coordinate things. And so let's start with that topic. Jonathan, you've had some unique issues in coordinating people to get documents just to them and getting them back from people. It's not like the pre-COVID days where people would come to your office. There seems to be a whole different understanding of logistics. Can you talk about that? Obviously, it's good to be with both of you. Um, yeah, there have been significant challenges when it comes to logistics. And as Manny, you're saying, it isn't just, okay, we have a set closing date. Please come to the office two days beforehand, sign your documents. We'll send them over to the title company and we're done. This is much more about, you know, everyone is at their homes um, or um, maybe at their offices, maybe in different locations if they're quarantining somewhere else um, and, and finding them and making sure you have a, a set plan to get notaries, to get documents to them in final form, making sure that you get documents back to review and make sure they're correct. And then working with title companies and in order to make sure that they have what they need in order to close on the appropriate date. All four of those things have to really, need, need, you need a plan going into that you know, you know, a week or two in advance, just so you know logistically, if something happens and there's a, as a misstep here or there, you can work your way around it and you're not scrambling at the last minute to try and get your transaction closed. You want to have it all done kind of uh, you know, uh, ahead of time just so you don't run into these issues at the end of the day. And can you talk for a second about notaries? They used to be a very simple walk down to your assistant in the office. Can you come here to help notarize something? Not as simple today. You know, um, one of the things that's happened nationwide with COVID is some states have actually accepted electronic notaries um, and that you can do things via a Zoom call and a notary will, you know, actually notarize a document that way electronically. Here in California, though, that has not been the case and, re and it remains that you have to work with a, a notary in person and get things signed by wet ink. As a result, um, oftentimes you have to coordinate a mobile notary. Uh, to come to your client's homes uh, or to your office, wherever the documents are being signed. Um, and you have to you get a set time with them and make sure everybody's schedules are, again, coordinated. And from a logistic perspective, it isn't just, okay, you come into the office and you're here, we'll sign it. It's no, you know, are you going to be here at 10 a.m. at this location and make sure everyone's there um, in order to get things done? And then even after documents are signed by the notary is who's delivering them you know, back and where, do they, where are they going? Is the notary bringing them to a party? Is the person who signed them actually gonna then send them out? So again, all of these little factors need to be dealt with. Biggest issue right now is finding a, a good mobile notary who's reliable, who's gonna be able to travel to wherever the signer is going to be. And again, that might be at their home. It might be at a completely different location if they're, if they're quarantining somewhere else and getting all those things, you know, patched up early. 
Uh, great advice uh, and great lessons learned and having phone numbers and contacts and emails uh, is very important. The whole logistics issue has risen to the top and there's no one better suited to talk about that than Lotus. Um, Lotus, one of the basic uh, documents that's needed in the sale of an office building where there are tenants in the building is a tenant estoppel. The document where the tenant basically says to the buyer and sometimes to a lender, yes, this is my lease and here are certain representations that I will say about my lease. Um, with leases being 50 pages long and other documents that have to be attached to an estoppel certificate, pre-COVID, it seemed to be a very easy task of delivering that document to the leased premises at an office building. But your experience now shows that is totally different now. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you've had to face, both logistically and just getting documents to the right person? Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Manny. So the challenge, as Manny kind of spoke to before, is previously we could just kind of take these documents, print them out, bring them right to the tenant's doors, all in a building, pretty easy. Some of the more challenging things now are, firstly, we have to email each one of the tenants. Now that creates the very first problem, which is who's the correct contact for us to send these documents to? As Manny mentioned, these are legal documents, so they have a certain amount of importance. And a lot of times the tenant contact that we as a property manager may have is not the appropriate person to look at the actual document. So our first problem is, who is the correct contact? And secondly, is that contact, once we have them, actually going to take that document and give it to the appropriate party? So with, the, with some of the deals that I've worked with, sometimes we would have the correct tenant contact, but the document or documents would not actually get to them or it would get to them, but they would not pass it on to the appropriate party. So finding that tenant contact and the appropriate one was actually very important. Secondly, getting that document to the tenant contact, while previously fairly easy, print it out, bring it to the tenant, you know, have them accept it. Now we have these issues of sending large documents. Now, some of us use certain things. I know we have used something called Mimecast where you can send larger documents, but sometimes on the receiving end, there are issues opening that particular document, downloading it, being able to actually look at these very, very large documents. Now, now the third problem is, let's say that it's gone to the correct tenant contact, now they have passed it on to the correct party. The issue is sometimes, well, actually, let's go back. Sometimes getting it, getting just from the tenant contact to the appropriate party takes a while. So these estoppel documents need to be returned quickly, but sometimes it just, they'll sit on them, won't get to the correct person, and then the correct person won't get back to us for a while. Now, let's say it does get to the correct person, then sometimes they have issues opening these very large documents. They have issues. Um, all kind, there's 
in, in, within each of these steps, there are issues with getting it to the right person, opening the documents, and just getting it back to us in the time frame that's necessary for a purchase and sale, which sometimes is, it has to be expeditious. I think the lesson that Lotus has learned that we're trying to convey is that pre-COVID, we might say in a purchase and sale agreement that we would get a certain percentage of estoppels within 30 days. And we could really know from historical uh, transactions that of course we could get it done. Lotus's experience in recent transactions has just been that if anything can go wrong and if anything can go amiss, especially during COVID-19, it does, it adds delays. And we need to be careful in our transactions to commit to getting a certain percentage of estoppels by a certain date because of the difficulties we're going to find in just logistics. Absolutely. And Manny, I just want to follow up with that point because it's not just the logistics within the tenant side. It's also it is often the logistical issues within your own, the seller side. And within because a lot of property managers are in different places. They might be, some of them might be working at home some days. Some of their team members might be working from home. So getting the correct information within even the seller side team and the buyer side team can be difficult because as Manny said, sometimes we will, we will say that we can get certain things back in a certain time, but that is dependent on the seller and the buyer side and the tenant side, all being able to communicate internally to have the correct information and then working together to get all that correct information to the right place. So that is another follow-up logistical issue that should be um, considered anytime there's a purchase and sale. Great point. It's also the delays on your own team member side. Two other points, Lotus, if you can just focus on. Um, sometimes, uh, tenant estoppel certificates or other documents have to be notarized as well. Um, how have you dealt with getting back originals of these documents? That's a great question. So we've, because of the fact that a lot of tenants feel uncomfortable going to post offices, some of them might not have, you know, at home stamps, envelopes, just these very, even printers, some of them, are having great difficulty in actually just getting back original documents to, um, to the appropriate party. Now, DocuSign, electronic, electronic signatures have been instrumental in this particular process. And I think it's something that we are all gonna be relying on uh, much more in the future. But um, if in a purchase and sale transaction, if the buyer is requiring a certain amount of original signatures, we have definitely found that is just a logistical issue that is, it seems very small, but in COVID times actually can be very large because people don't feel comfortable going to the post office. Excellent. Now, to your second point, Manny, about the notary, um, again, um, kind of like what Jonathan was saying before, there is this particular issue of Right now, people are relying on mobile notaries. Um, people are relying on the very few, very few notaries that actually are available, whether they're mobile or otherwise. And so getting a notarized document 
that planning of where will you be at this time, who is going to meet you there in order to get the notary has actually been a particular issue that in um, the purchase and sales that I've had to deal with, they've actually had to um, almost waive that notary requirement for some of the tenants because of that logistical issue. And it was in essence, they have the choice. Do we get the, do we force a tenant to get the notary and maybe delay getting back the document? Or do we waive the requirement, know that we cannot record this and just get the document back itself? Yes. Yeah. It's something that we need to address in the purchase and sale agreement. And many times we need to, in transactions, address that with a lender. Jonathan's issue of getting a notary is just between a buyer and a seller, just two people. Lotus's issue on a notary, office buildings may have 50 tenants, more. Having to arrange 50 separate mobile notaries just to get a document notarized for a hypothetical recording presents some challenges and that should be discussed and we need to address that in the purchase and sale agreement. So let's talk a little bit about the purchase and sale agreement, uh, Jonathan. Sure. There are a couple of provisions in the purchase and sale agreement that have also been impacted by COVID-19. Most importantly, I would say delays in completing due diligence or delays in the actual closing date. I would say less so have we found that the closing date has been impacted because title companies um, are really figuring out how to close transactions with county recorders. But on due diligence, I think we still have issues where delays have been caused by, by COVID-19. And we need to make sure to insert some sort of ability to delay the, the removal of contingencies for due diligence. How have we dealt with that? Yeah, um, you know, oftentimes uh, a due diligence section, you know, typically says, okay, you have X number of days to review documents, title reports, um, you know, environmental reports, anything about the building or property in which uh, a buyer is is going in and, purchase, and purchasing. Um, what's happened in COVID, obviously, is we've had to include language that has said, okay, if, if it's if due diligence cannot be completed as a result of some sort of COVID delay, so meaning certain documents didn't get to go where they went to go, or a title company couldn't get uh, what it needed to get to to the buyer, or if the environmental report is needed and no one's able to go to the physical building or site and actually do the environmental work, how does that actually affect the closing date? Um, and, and parties have had to negotiate what that risk level is on both sides um, to, to determine you know, who's going to bear the majority of that risk. Is it going to be the buyer because, um, or is it going to be the seller? Um, and I know, Manny, you've dealt with that um, pretty significantly on a couple of deals um, in which you've you know, added some very you know, negotiated language regarding uh, what's going to constitute a delay and what is not going to constitute a delay. Uh, it would be useful for all parties to actually define what the delay actually is and to put in a time frame so that it's not an open-ended uh, extension. Sellers need to move the transaction along and at some point the buyer has to be able to say, I've done what I can do uh, or by a certain date, I will remove this contingency. And that's what we've tried to do. And specifically to identify the actual cause of the delay. 
not just to come to a, a, a seller and say, sorry, I can't get this done. Well, what is it exactly that you haven't been, get, haven't been able to get done? What is your plan? Is there an alternative? And to put something around it so it's not just an open-ended delay. Um, yeah, I, I, I even go further than that, is that even if there are some delays, how much, how severe has that delay been? Is it a material delay? Is it just one small portion of the due diligence that you, that, that, you know, a buyer is lacking and therefore is it really going to constitute a sufficient enough breach um, that a, a delay is required? Or is it, or is it, you know, uh, is, it, is, it, is it small? So I think we're looking at, you know, on both sides there as well, making sure that it's not just the language being inserted and what will constitute the kinds of breaches, but also how severe they need to be in order to actually trigger those clauses in general. Agreed. One time, uh, one issue that comes up in some transactions is the need to get a certain permit or a land use approval as a as a um, condition to removing contingencies. Uh, it may not be in office buildings where permits should be in place, but if you're purchasing raw land or land for development, some permit confirmation or hearing may be required. And Lotus, I know you work on land use matters. Um, land use and showing up at hearings clearly has to have been impacted by COVID-19. What have you learned in that? Absolutely. So within within the COVID environment, um, with a lot of people not wanting to be in the same room as each other, a lot of hearings have obviously been moved on to um, things like Zoom, where you're presenting your, your, your you're appearing before somebody, the planning department, somebody um, electronically. And first issue is just appearing. Sometimes there are, of course, electronic technical issues of even getting on to the site in order to appear. And that actually has happened before where, you know, um, somebody is, is unable to actually appear in the hearing that they actually needed to appear in. Um, the second issue is actually more, is, is a little bit more of an ephemeral issue, but it's, it is the issue of the, there is something to be said about actually being in the presence of, um, of somebody who is hearing your case, right? Whether it's the planning commission, whether it's a judge, whether it's a court. Um, and there, and when you're not actually physically present, there is this almost a disconnect between you and the person that's hearing your case. And sometimes that can make it a little bit more difficult to feel as though you're presenting the best case that you actually can. Um, and so, that is one issue. The other issue, this is not actually in terms of hearings, but in terms of just getting permits or any kind of inspections done, is that many, um, many counties, cities, they have shut down many of their physical offices. So that if you require a certain permit, usually you could go in, talk to somebody who can assist you provide them with your documentation. Now, because a lot of the those employees that are working there are working part-time, they're being furloughed, they don't have as many people on site, getting things like inspections, um, you know, being able to pull a permit, being able to, uh, you know, put in an application, these things which actually before might have taken a while, but were pretty procedural, now 
um, are a lot more difficult because of that particular issue. So hopefully that is changing as people are going more into the office, but in the COVID environment, that issue is never actually gonna go away. I, I think the lesson that Lotus has learned and that we hope to convey to all of you is working with council that have gone through this is very important. We, we have seen these delays just in our transactions and being able to plan for them knowing in advance that you're going to have to get this and sticking in a contingency in your contract is very important. Um, I, I would say just in summary that what we've all learned is what used to take X period of time is now taking X plus two periods of time because of logistical issues and having the right checklists and knowing uh, alternatives to get something done and having weekly calls to check on the status of things is now more important than it was uh, in pre-COVID times when on a day's notice you could fix an error. It's going to take a lot more time to fix things in part because of what's going on in our daily lives. Not everyone is connected at the same time in the same place, uh, in their normal place as it used to be and getting people to respond um, sometimes creates unique situations. Um, just to bring a point that Jonathan had to deal with, we thought we were going to get someone to sign a document at point A, and the morning when we had to get that sign, the person called up and said, oh, I stayed overnight somewhere else, I'm in point B. It, it, you never would have thought about that. Um, there are also some Working with a title company and getting some of the side documents correct is now of critical importance and having good relations with the title company is also of critical importance. Um, any last thoughts, Lotus and Jonathan, as we wrap up? I, I think that maybe I think you, you really kind of hit it, you know, nail on the head is that you know, creating checklists um, and redundancies, I think, are, are really the, the two biggest things you can do in order to ensure that your transactions close smoothly. You know, even in the best of times pre-COVID, you know, every transaction always had a couple speed bumps. I don't care how clean or how easy it seemed to be. There's always a couple little hiccups. Um, but those are being more pronounced um, as a result of, of COVID. Um, and, you know, making sure that you absolutely have the right locations for your signers, you have plans for documents are being sent, um, you know, making sure that tell company has enough time to review things, get originals back. If there are errors, you can correct them. All of these things that you before you could do, as you're saying, on a day or two notice to resolve and make sure that nothing was delayed on your transaction are now things you have to think about a week or two in advance and make sure everything is taken care of beforehand and buttoned up. Absolutely. And I just want to I just want to close with saying I think that the two things that I've really learned through this COVID environment is that there has to be a certain amount of perseverance and flexibility. So perseverance and following up with your tenants, with your buyer, your seller, your lender, in essence, following up and just continuing to follow up, even when sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, is actually absolutely necessary to getting a deal closed. Unlike before, we don't have the we don't have the leeway that we had previously. Now we have to 
we have to be very persistent, phone calls, emails, whatever method that needs to be used. And the last one, flexibility. Um, there's a lot of things that come up, um, exactly like what, what Jonathan was saying, right? You know, somebody was at point A, now they're at point B, and we have to be the ones that help facilitate um, that particular closing. So we have to be very flexible in the approach that we're taking and adapt to the actual situation that's before us, which is something that we've no, that sometimes we may not have never seen before. But there's a problem, we see it, we find a solution, and we have to persevere through it and be flexible. Great advice. Well, thank both of you. Thanks, Lotus. Thanks, Jonathan. And thank you all for listening to this podcast on how to close real estate transactions in COVID-19. Thank you very much.